Hi, this is Dr. Jane Battenberg, author of Change Within, Change the World. In this weekly podcast, I interview changemakers who are at the cutting edge of new thought and consciousness awareness. Join me as we change within and change the world together. Today's guest is Jerry Dignan, here to talk about the regenerating power of song in community. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Thank you, Jane. It's good to be here. <laughs> so, just a little bit about your background. You were a, in, you were a teacher for 35 years? Yeah, 35 years. I was a Spanish teacher. I taught high school for a couple of years. I taught ESL to adults in the Hispanic community in Chicago for a number of years. And I taught children in fourth and sixth grade in the little village area of Chicago. And you always Just, incorporated music, Always, right? always yeah. yeah. No, I taught and, Spanish in the suburbs for many years. But, but if everybody knew if they got Senor Dignan for class, they were going to be singing and dancing. So. <laughs> oh, that's great. So you wanted to talk about the regenerating power of song and community. What's your passion today? <laughs> what, what are you excited about today? Just been on a weekend retreat with Peggy Rubin, and part of the experience of the weekend was the community having moments in song and musical movement. And those moments, for me, are very magical, and they just make my heart soar. And I love that I'm able to help people have these kinds of experiences, that I can facilitate an experience for them through the singing that I do, or through the movement, the simple movements that I can do that are accessible for people. I feel really happy when people, you know, people have told me through the years, I don't sing, but when you sing, I do sing. (laughs) So that's great, you know, and if I can serve that role in people's lives, that just means the world to me. Because I think for myself, A lot of people have been told, as children, they were told, just mouth the words or... You can't sing. You can't (laughs) sing, you know. For me, that's like having a real big piece of your soul taken away from you. It's like soul snatching. Because I can't imagine being in life without being able to express myself through my voice, through music. And whether it's beautiful or not isn't really the point. Because I think we release and express a lot of ourselves on the wings of our voices, you know. And I think it's very therapeutic, as well as also being a joy with friends and family or complete strangers. There's a very quick connectivity that's made for people when they sing together. Even people who may be in different camps politically, you know, when they sing together, they see each other's humanity and they see something good in the other person, oh. and they, it opens your heart toward them, you know. I've had that experience myself. It just humbled me and helped me kind of stay focused on what can help me see someone else's humanity, someone who I really disagree with, you know, in certain ways. But I see their humanity and the joy they experience when we come together in song. So it's, it's a very transformative experience. So whoever made up this whole notion of singing and music, <laughs> it was a good idea they hit on there. So I'm really delighted that, I mean, delighted is a, isn't even the word. I'm forever grateful. My whole being is grateful. It's almost like a deep, visceral, soul, spiritual 
experience? It and... is completely for me, you know. Wow. Completely. I mean, even myself, uh, my own personal um, experience of singing, it helps me get in touch with my emotional flow. It helps to open my emotional flow. I mean, I lost a friend a few years back, and I was just kind of locked up about it. And I just sat down at the piano and started to say things to my friend. And then I started to sing those words. And I, I just was playing a couple simple chords at the piano. But it really helped me move into my heart and my true feelings of, of my grief at the passing of my friend who had shared life deeply with me. And then my emotions just really flowed. And so I was very grateful that I had the, the wherewithal to sit down and do that. Play a couple chords at the piano. You know, it wasn't any verses I had memorized I was saying. I was just speaking how I loved my friend. And remember when we did this and you shared this with me. And all of a sudden, uh, the, my emotion just began to flow. And that's really beautiful. It's cathartic. And the music was the key to help my heart open mm. and unlock the emotions. And that's healthy. You know, we all know. That's very healthy, it's, yes. And I didn't need to go to a doctor or a psychoanalyst or get a prescription or anything. I just sat down and started to sing my thoughts and my feelings. So we're born with it, you know. So and that's part of our natural way of expressing and communing with each other? I really think it is. And some cultures have it as a living, vibrant part of their way of life. I think too much in American culture, we don't realize that all of us are born with this music-making component of our human nature. You know? Oh, kids. Kids just bang on oh, things. and Oh, look at the babies. Yeah. They're moving. They're a month old or less, and they're responding to music. They physically respond. You can watch their eyes go to the music, or they'll fix on you if you sing a little hymn. Tiny little babies. They are connected. More so than, than, the, than the spoken word. They well, resonate with For their... me... And as an adult experience, the spoken word is rich, especially if it's beautiful poetry or something written well or just something eloquently expressed. But when you put it into rhythm and rhyme and melody, it just magnifies the experience. <laughs> For example, uh, I saw Les Mis. Les Mis to me is the greatest uh, musical piece ever written. Les Miserables. It's just the best piece ever written. It captures human passion and yearning and dreaming of what makes, this is, these are the things that make us a human being, right? And the music is just out of this world fantastic. I can't even watch that for five minutes without getting all teary-eyed and it's so overpowering. And then I recently saw a rendition of it on television. Just, I've only watched it for about a half hour or so. But there was no music. It was just the story of Les Mis, you know. Oh. It's a, a magnificent piece of literature. I've never read the whole piece of literature. It's a goal I have. But the story just didn't grab me as much as when it was musically uh, portrayed, you know. Wow. So to illustrate the power of music, you know, I am totally transported when I hear those songs sung. You know that, can you hear the people sing, singing the songs of... It says we can. I'm not sure that's the lyrics, right? 
It is the music of a people who will not be slaves again. When the beating of your heart echoes the beating of the drum, there is a life about to start when tomorrow comes. You know, it's about dreaming about the possibilities of who we can be and, and, and what tomorrow holds for us, you know. And the one line that really gets me, beyond the barricade is there a world you long to see. That is powerful. Beyond the barricade is there a world you long to see. And then it goes up when the beating of your heart. And uh, gosh, that just taps right into every human being's dream. So one thing, I've been working with Music Together. It's a, one, it's a family music education program, which is now in over 40 countries. And when, when a family signs up for the classes, they sign up for like a nine or 10 week experience. and. There's three trimesters in a year, and if you take all, the program is a three-year program if they sign up for the whole thing. So it's a marvelous curriculum, all research and science-based, and it's playful, and it's sweet on so many levels. And one of them is because the parents are with their child making music. So how, this is nurturing. How old are the children? Oh, from the day they're born. There's classes with for infants or multi-ages up to maybe the age of six and then they have other programs as well uh, as the kids get older but it establishes a magnificent foundation if they want to pursue some discipline of a certain instrument in the future they have a powerful foundation musical core to build upon you know? and so it's not like the parents dropping the kids off to not daycare mm -mm. so how, how does that um, what difference does it make to have the parents involved like it that? makes a totally huge difference because the children are connected to their parent and if the parent is showing this is a good thing to do mommy and daddy like this the child does that they trust it's a, just an innate trust of, of their parent you know and parents worry about well I can't sing you know I'll ruin my <laughs> child's voice or, but that's not the case you know it the modeling is what's the most crucial thing so there's so many things I love about the work and one of them and I, I don't know if I mentioned I'm Uncle Jerry in this program you know, the CDs have a, a family. There's a mommy voice and a daddy voice and a grandma Yvette and some kids and Uncle Jerry. So I'm the Uncle Jerry voice. It's been a thrill to be a part of it. But I love that a lot of the, a lot, a lot of the adults will say, I can't sing. We don't, every person should have an identity of themselves as being a maker of music, you know. And in fact, the research that Music Together scholars and researchers are doing has found, I mean, we all know that human beings are born with an ability to speak. We have that language capability. But when it comes to music, we think, well, some of us got it and some of us didn't, you know? And I always just figured that was it and I was just lucky that I had parents that could sing, so I inherited that, you know? But their research is showing that human beings are born as music makers. But there's a window of time the children have to be engaged in actively making the music in order for them to develop their music making ability. And I kind of think linguistically, if children didn't engage in making language for the first six years of their life, you know, would they be able to make language? So they have to be engaged in making music, not just listening. So it's wonderful that the parents who have been told not to sing or they don't believe they can come into these very nurturing environments. They're with their babies. 
and they're doing it for their babies, you know, and they're doing it in a safe place where they can begin to tiptoe back into the possibility that maybe they actually can make music, you know. I think that's beautiful because for me, that's like restoring their soul. Mm. Because music is so much in our souls. I mean, think about it. If, if I say a, a song, you can probably remember where you were. Or a certain song will remind you of a time in your life or a place in your life. Yep. You know, a Absolutely. Tender moment. This is the miracle and the power, the magic, the spirituality. It's just deep inside our human soul, you know. Mm. So. I love this this being able to help restore music in people's lives and return it to them. So That's you started in in grade school and the kids absolutely loved you, right? You, you ha I mean in a time when <laughs> depends on who you ask, I suppose. <laughs> no, I had a really positive rapport with my students. Yeah, I actually started teaching in high school for a couple of years, and then after that, I went on to this into the city and I taught. Um, well, I taught fourth grade and sixth grade for six years, and, and how I did, didn't think I would love it, but I did love it. And how did that um, integrate the the cultural language of Spanish and English and the kids and you? Oh, well, we sang a lot, you know, as a, as a teacher, I always sang a lot with my kids, you know. So we did a lot of songs, English songs, Spanish songs, a couple teachers of my, teacher colleagues of mine and myself began a school choir. And we had a whole lot of kids in the choir and people just loved, the kids loved to sing, you know. And again, it was a bilingual community, so we sang songs in both languages. And then when I went to teach in the suburbs, yes, I was part of cultural education. You know, these were non-Spanish-speaking families. They weren't, for the most part, they weren't Hispanic culture families out in Orland Park, Illinois, is where I taught. Kids are kids, you know, and they resonate with music. So I teach them folk dances, and we actually created tremendous events. One was called Festival, and it was an evening of celebration of Hispanic cultures through song and dance and food. It was really fun, and the kids would get up, dressed up in costumes, and we would study a certain region, like maybe it'd be Mexico. So that year, all year long, we'd learn songs from Mexico. And the parents were very supportive, and we'd have the food, like I said, and they'd make big art uh, murals on big paper that we'd put on the wall, and uh, uh, images of Mexico and culture of Mexico. So we'd pick a region each year. It'd be Spain the next year, uh, South America the next year, Caribbean islands the next year, and so lots of music. And this was, yeah, involved my kids from fourth through eighth grade. So uh, then we did that for a few years, and I thought, I'd like to make it more holistic. So we changed it from festival to carnaval. So it was a big carnival oh. atmosphere. <laughs> the kids throughout the year would make craft projects. And then we'd create a big marketplace that when, when carnaval, the evening came. And so some kids would be selling like, like a flea market sort of, you know, like you get in a lot of la garra, the kids used to call it in the neighborhood in Chicago, like the local flea market. And they'd bargain over back and forth over the price of things all in Spanish of course and they'd be selling all of their crafts or things the <laughs> junk they brought from home they'd fill the place uh, this library it was and it'd be a market that night and then there was a big game room and uh, it was all 
if they could say, answer a question uh, that we had based on vocabulary they learned throughout the year, then they got to throw the ball and they could win a prize. So we had all different kinds of games, you know, cakewalk and, uh, you know, it was really cute. And so we had prizes. And then at the end, we'd sing songs, and uh, it was a grandiose event that was Carnaval. So the kids had a lot of fun, and so did I. <laughs> so did you ever take this into a, a more adult arena? I think you talked about Healing Song Circle. Healing or... Song Circle, right. So in addition to my love of working with the children, I really enjoyed working at seminars like with Gene Houston, Peggy Rubin, and um, retreat work that I did, Peggy's Sacred Theater. I used to be different retreats with the Catholic Church, and I've, I've been in Catholic music ministry for many years. So I, I love, again, being used to serve in that role, to be of service to the community, to help people through music, basically to get in touch with what's in their heart, in their spirit, in their soul, and get there through music. Like I, like I was talking about a little while ago, how it opened my heart. A beautiful thing about music is that we connect with something that feels larger than ourselves. And it opens up this, I don't know if that's our own greater consciousness or whatever you want to call it, but you feel you're connected with that something larger than ourselves, and also magically connects us with each other and community is formed rather quickly if just a drum can can make connection for people when you play that drum and then when you add maybe a simple little melodic chant to that people feel a, a unity through the rhythm and the melody and if they move their body that's all part of it this is really primal you know <laughs> if you look back early human communities gathering around the fire, needing each other for survival, and they didn't have their TVs and iPhones and all that stuff, what kept them alive? The music making kept them alive. So, I mean, it's not, it's probably even scientifically based that we pass that on in our DNA, you know, that for survival of the human community, we need to be able to make music together. It reminds me, um, we climbed Mount Sinai in, uh, in uh, Egypt, and at the top, because we, you know, started early in the morning and did camels and walked up, and then at the very top were all these different cultures, and we all began singing. Yeah. And we would recognize the melody, so we would sing it in our language, mm -hmm. or we would listen to their their rendition of it and yeah. we just felt so connected here at the top of the world at that's the top amazing. of Mount Sinai. That's right. I've had moments like that. As you know, Denise and I lead trips to Ireland. Denise is your wife. Denise is my wonderful, loving wife. <laughs> Guess where we met? In high school choir, singing together. <laughs> so oh. music, you know, connected us and has kept us, you know, we've shared beautiful life together through music. So, and many other different wonderful things. But um, the music has always been something that's been a part of the way we live our lives. And then you, you took kind of a turn to use the power of music in a healing circle. You want to talk that's about that? Or? Sure, sure. It was inspired by Peggy Rubin's sacred theater work. She came to Chicago and um, did a workshop in her wonderful work in sacred theater. 
And so music was a part of it. After Peggy was gone, some of the participants felt like, well, we just can't have this stop because everybody felt the healing power of music in this retreat you know, that we had done with Peggy. So um, one of the women, Margaret Burke, um, really was encouraging us to continue it. So we organized it and we would, for years we met twice a month in Oak Park, Illinois, just 15 <laughs> minutes west of, the, of downtown. We called it the Healing Song Circle. And our intention was to come together in song and allow the music to, um, to bring healing to us in whatever form that might take. It might just be, well, I know for me, I was teaching full-time at, at the time for years. I taught for full-time and then uh, we moved kind of outside the city. So it was a 45-minute ride for me to get to a park for the song circle. And many, many, many was the time I felt like I am too tired to go to this. But it's too bad because I'm the one leading it. So get in the car and go, you know. So in the first three minutes of being there, once the music started, and whether we started with a drum or I just started playing chords on the guitar, I could feel myself realigning and reconnecting with something that gave me energy and lightened whatever worries I had and whatever burdens I was carrying. So that is very healing. And um, people have really said throughout the years how this, they really depend on this group to come together in song. And we've done a lot of fun things, creative things. Uh, we've incorporated movement and dance, simple dance that anybody can do. And also um, poetry, there's amazing poets in the group. Who knew? We gave them the opportunity to write poetry. And then we create a song. Honestly, we, we could have, we've probably written a hundred songs that could have been big hits, you know, <laughs> but we don't record any of them. And we have that moment. It's like a Navajo sand painting, you know. There's beauty in the moment. And then, whew, It's you know, gone. It's gone. We had that moment of beauty and healing and connectivity and delight with each other, you know, during that night of our song circle. So it's actually not gone, it's just incorporated in your body, oh, in your experience. There it is, yeah. Yeah, we've done a lot of different techniques and strategies, and I, it gave me a lot of opportunities to know how to lead a group of people joining together in song that I used in my work with Peggy and Jean mm -hmm. Houston and the different, even in my work, you know, at church, I sing at a historic church in Chicago, Holy Family. And actually, my grandfather was a boy, as a boy, was an altar boy at Holy Family Church. It was an Irish parish back then in the city on Roosevelt, uh, just near Racine. If you're in Chicago, come by Holy Family. And uh, it's one of the most historic churches in the city. It was the largest parish in the whole country back around the turn of the century. It was all Irish back then, survived the Chicago fire. Anyway, I was in Black Gospel Choir at Holy Family. It started in 1982. You were in the Black Gospel Choir. That's right. And you were there many white? Oh, uh, it was a beautiful mixed group. Oh, it was good. predominantly African American at the time. And, you know, they were looking for new members and a friend of mine told me, she said, you like gospel music, right? I said, I love gospel music. She said, well, there's a choir in Chicago, not far from where I was working in the city, looking for new members. I said, well, let me see if I can join. And 
my gosh, open arms, open hearts, you know, they, they greeted me and welcomed me. And that just opened up a whole new world of self-expression through music for me that I bring with me now everywhere I go, you know. And, and so that's a totally different type of singing. But you, you do opera also? And... Well, <laughs> I've never been in an opera. But, I mean, I did eventually start to study the classical voice training at DePaul University and their community music division. So just because I guess I wanted to hear from people who were really in that world of music. Because I, I wasn't sure, like, can I really sing? You know, I wanted to hear from people in that world if they thought I could sing. And that seems like kind of a foolish thing mm. here as I'm telling you right now, but that's where my head was at at the time. So I, I got a voice teacher, and for, I think I was in my late 30s, early 40s by this time, and uh, studied voice for a couple of years with Rich Gersten. He was a wonderful advocate for me, and he encouraged me to audition downtown. So I auditioned for the Chicago Symphony Chorus, and I got in. So that's not opera music, but it's definitely was considered one of the greatest choruses of classical music in the world. And so it was amazing to me that I was allowed in and you know, had that rich experience for six or seven years with the chorus and singing with the greatest conductors in the classical world of music on the planet. They came to conduct this, the orchestra, and of course the chorus was singing with the orchestra, so it was just a phenomenal experience. But I'll tell you what, for me, it didn't make my heart sing. I was oh. always worrying that I might do something wrong, because I really don't have the level of musical training that many people in the chorus and the orchestra have. Many of them have bachelors or masters or PhDs in conducting. They have their own orchestras and their own choruses that they conduct or just their music teachers and I didn't have that. So I always felt sort of like a duck out of water. Uh, so I really worked extra hard to um, make sure I was doing everything right. So it was a great growing experience for me. It was mm -hmm. a beautiful experience. But I decided someone is really passionate about being able to be to have a seat in this chorus. And I don't have the passion. You know, it had served me well and given me rich experiences. We sang in Berlin, you know, the con the concert hall in Berlin. We sang in Carnegie Hall in New York City. You was, were in Carnegie Hall? I was wow. me and three hundred other people, but <laughs> definitely I was up there. It was magnificent. The Staatskapelle Orchestra from Berlin flew to New York City, Chicago Symphony Chorus flew to New York City and we, we had the union there and this magnificent, we did Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, you know. It was just astounding experience. I mean, I, we had rehearsed it, and, but the actual performance was far, far beyond any of the rehearsals we had done. Baron Bohm was conducting and our choral director, Dwayne Wolf in Chicago, said it was the pinnacle of his professional music career. It was just an out-of-this-world experience. And what made it so good? Baron Bohm just was fired up. His spirit was just soaring, and he just kept directing it almost into a, a frenetic thing. I mean, Beethoven, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if he rose from his grave, you know, that it called him out of his grave because there was such a magnificent energy 
around it that I, I was getting scared. I didn't know if I'd be able to keep up. You know, he just, <laughs> we were about to take off. And when it ended, the audience leapt out of their seats and just roared with cheering. It was a once in a lifetime moment. It was uh, ecstatic. Yeah. Wow. Ecstatic. Yeah. I was so grateful I could be a part of it. Oh, thanks mm -hmm. for sharing that. Oh. That's, oh. Yeah. Amazing. But, you know, uh, time went on and I just realized there are people who would give anything to be in the chorus. And I think I will leave and let someone <laughs> who feels the passion more than I felt. My passion wasn't so much in the classical world of music, though I appreciate it and I love it and I'm moved to tears often by when I listen to it, you know. But I loved more music in community that people can can connect with who are not trained musically, but who feel the music deep in their souls. And um, that's who I really feel impassioned about reaching out to and calling the music from within themselves. So do you have any recommendations for people who may feel that they're stifled musically? Or do you have any recommendations for how to get more music into life? Oh, well, I think any, as a, I'm not a parent, but for someone who is a parent, I hope that they will connect their child with actively making music from the beginning of their days in this world. It's one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your infant, you know. I mean, music together is obviously one way you can do that. If it's not available in your community, you can try to find a program. Or if you don't have programs like that where you live, make your own music. You know, you can, you can, everything can be a song. I remember one day Denise and I were camping and there's this little lad, he must have been four years old, just walking along by himself. Now, when I say everything can be a song, this was his song. Walking, 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 walking. <laughs> and we just turned and looked at each other and mouths dropped. Like, every single thing in life can be a song. You know, and it's foreign to, let's say, mainstream American culture. But it's important that young moms and dads, grandparents, aunts and uncles know that anything can be a song. And you don't have to be able to sing in tune for a child to begin to develop an identity of themselves as being a musical being. There's too many of us that say we are not musical, you know. And that is a, a denial of their human, their own humanity. The fullest mm -hmm. humanity includes making music. And it's so beautiful. So Music Together has a website, or do you oh, want sure. to give people that? Or? Yeah, musictogether.com. Or you just type in Music Together, Google it, and you'll be able to, there's Class Locator, or if you just are interested in the philosophy, they have all kinds of um, articles and scientifically based articles, especially nowadays. We're fortunate to live when we live because there's so much more research being done. When this started, just over 30 years ago, Music Together, started by Ken Gilmartin and Lily Levinowitz. Ken is like the arranger of the music and a composer, and Lily did all of this child psychology research and the role of music and child development. It was really cutting edge. There was very little knowledge known about that back then. So we live in a time where there's been so much new fantastic research done about our own human nature and brain development and the connection of voice and body movement and 
all those things that are part of a human being's way of life, way of being. So, so yeah, you can go and get uh, information. And Do you have a website? I do. Uh, <laughs> and it's jerrydignan.world. You just type in Jerry Dignan. So G- it's G-E-R-R-Y-D-I-G-N-A-N dot world. D-I-G-N-A-N. That's right, dot world. It's a simple name, but always misspelled. <laughs> you know. So dot world, yeah. Are there any other recommendations you have or any comments or observations that you'd like to make about the regenerating power of song in community, pulling community together? Well, yeah, I hope people can get there. If they don't have a community that's music-making community, I hope that they can look into possibilities of forming groups that are music-making groups. We once heard an article on the radio, or a piece on the radio, about somebody who had set up the Church of Music. And Denise and I were like, well, that's an interesting idea, the Church Mm -hmm. of Music. And these people would come together on a Sunday and make music together. And that was, there wasn't, you didn't have to believe any particular thing, you know, there wasn't a dogma related to it. It was just connecting with each other and their music making. But it was spiritual. Well, um, it gets to feel that way. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Because certainly um, music is a powerful thing. It lifts your spirit. You know, if you're down in the dumps, there's nothing like a song that can just work its way around any um, barriers you have up. Songs work their way around our barriers really quickly. And it lifts your spirit, can yank you or help you to move out of a... If you're feeling low, it opens your heart. It connects you with others in a magical way. So I think that's a beautiful thing to provide for a for a community. And I plan on doing it more than I'm doing it. We're growing our, our healing song circle to be called the Chicago Circle of Song. And we're offering that in Oak Park, Illinois. Right now it's once a month because I'm on the road so much. But um, that's actually on Facebook. There's a page, Chicago Circle of Song. If you are in the Chicago area and would like to stop by and make music with us, you'd be a, a hundred thousand times welcome, as my aunt Ella would say. We'd give you a cade me la faccia, a hundred thousand welcomes. So, and we do sing some Irish songs as well. So just, uh, could you share an Irish ditty with us? Oh, come by the hills to the land Where fancies free And stand where the peaks touch the sky And the rocks meet the sea Where the rivers run clear And the bracken is warm in the sun and the cares of tomorrow must wait till this day is done. Mm, thank you. That, oh, oh, that's my favorite. And I, I have to say that has been very important to my husband and I both because we sing that together. And he says he can't sing, but we sing ah, that one. Here we are. So... Thank so you. is there any last song you would like to sing, just about community? Oh, or? Well, let's see now. This little light of mine, mm-hmm. I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, this little light of mine, 
you know that I'm gonna let it shine all right now this little light of mine everybody come on let's let it shine you gotta let it shine let it shine gotta let it shine oh now everybody's singing together we're gonna let it shine Yes, everybody's singing together. We're gonna let it shine. Everybody singing together. We're gonna let it shine. Gotta let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Shine on and on. Let it shine. That's going out there to everybody with love from my Holy Family Choir, Professor Sam Parker, who just lit up my life with gorgeous harmony and beautiful songs. My Irish ancestors, who have a beautiful musical heritage, traditional Irish music, all the beautiful people I met in the Chicago Symphony Chorus, who are filled with passion for magnificent music, and all my kids I taught from the Hispanic community, and my families, my ESL adult students, we sang Spanish songs together. De colores, de colores se visten los campos en la primavera. De colores, de colores son los pajaritos que vienen de afuera. De colores. De colores es el arco iris que vemos lucir Y por eso los grandes amores de muchos colores me gustan a mí Y por eso los grandes colores de muchos colores me gustan a mí pom, pom. ¡Viva México! Y Puerto Rico y Sudamérica y todo el mundo latino y España. Uh, I feel transported. <laughs> You're right. I feel uplifted. There it is. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry, for joining us today and sharing a little bit of your passion and your life. Thank you, Jane. And thank you for providing this moment in time and this space and asking the questions. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I'm so happy to have been with you. Thanks a lot. So you don't miss any of our shows. Make sure you subscribe to podcast.changewithin.com or click the subscribe button below. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Jane Battenberg.